The Creep Show Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to episode 96 of the Creepshow Chronicles, the podcast where we discuss murder and the macabre and ponder if over some good chronic. So grab your weed, your wine, or some coffee and let's get creepy. I am Ashley and this I'm is Sam. Sam. Hi. Hi. And what are we going to be talking about today? We are talking about a weird little town in California called Tracy. I discovered this on accident. I was just scrolling through Facebook and like a year or two ago. And there was this weird Reddit article that somebody shared in a podcast group. And it was like, you guys have to read this. And so I was like, okay. So I went to go read it and it was just this humongous, we'll get to the Reddit article, but, or Reddit thread, but it was this long ass thread of people talking about this town in Tracy. So let's first kind of do some history on the town itself. When I first searched for Tracy, like I said, all I found was the Reddit post. And then I kept searching and kept searching and I found out that this town is weird as fuck. And I mean, no offense to anybody who lives in Tracy. If you live there and you like it, good for you. I'm happy for you. But um, Tracy is the second most populated city in San Joaquin County in California at 93,000. And that's in 2020. Tracy is located inside a geographic triangle formed by Interstate 205 on the north side, Interstate 5 to the east, and Interstate 580 to the southwest. And their slogan is, think inside the triangle. Until the 1760s, the area that is now Tracy was populated by the Yokuts tribe. After encountering the Spanish colonists, the Yokuts um, suffered from new infectious diseases, of course, and Mexican and American explorers later came into the area, pushing them out, as is the story with most of America. So Tracy is a railroad town that came from the mid-19th century construction, mainly by Chinese laborers of the Central Pacific Railroad. Lines from Sacramento to Stockton to the San Francisco Bay Area beginning in 1868 and ending September 1878. A number of small communities sprang up along these lines at designated station sites, including one at the junction named for J.J. Tracy. Incorporated in 1911, Tracy grew rapidly and prospered as the center of an agricultural area, even when larger railroad operations began to decline in the 50s. On August 7, 1998, a tire fire ignited at S.F. Royster's Tire Disposal south of Tracy. The tire dump consisted of more than 7 million illegally stored tires, and the fire burned for two years before it was extinguished. The reason for letting it burn was that they thought that putting the fire out would contaminate the groundwater. The cleanup of chemicals released by the fire cost $16.2 million and ended up contaminating the groundwater after all. So, what in the fucking Twilight Zone is going on here? We're in the Reddit... What the fuck? Sorry. (laughs) We're in the uh, the Reddit thread now, and I'm just going to go through the thread and just read everything that it says because it, it is cuckoo bananas and of course we'll have this linked in the description so it starts off with queen 
Queen Catradora. And it says, I went to the dentist today and my dentist, honest to God, said, can I ask you a question? What the hell is in your mouth? And somebody else, Lesbian Wisdom, commented and said, was it good or bad? What did you say? It was in awe, LMAO. <laughs> then the hygienist and the assistants all came over to look too and they were like wow and my ass was sitting there like what the fuck so what was in your mouth that could have invoked that response you know all that okay so they comment said story time to preface this my hometown when where i'm originally from is a really fucking weird place like from the outside it seems like a normal suburban town but once you're there for a while you get the feeling that something's not quite all together a lot of people are really fucking weird there, so much so that it was a running joke that in school that people in the town were just like that. Like, that's just how they were. Um, everyone knew not to go to the farmland surrounding the town, especially at night. We called it the cuts. And people used to disappear out there all the time or get shot by the especially weird people that would live out there. The news was and still is uh, truly a thing of horror. Every time I come back, I'm re uh, regaled with even more stories of sh crazy shit that has happened there. To put it in perspective, we generally never had normal crime, like robbery or anything like that when I lived there. Though, that did happen sometimes. The news stories were always like, a kid was kidnapped by local residents and tortured in a house around the corner. A random person was chased down and shot for sp uh, sport in a really nice neighborhood. Someone was gored to death by a bull while out shopping. These were, they are all, those stories are all real, by the way. Um, everyone does drugs and the whole town is located really close to a government site where they test nuclear weapons and chemicals and shit. And this is how I grew up in this bizarre environment. So they go on. Shit's getting fucked up because you're uh -huh. back to it. God damn. <laughs> mm -hmm. So they go on to say, I need to preface this if, um. I need to preface it this way so that you get that it's weird. It's a fucking weird place. I used to listen to the Welcome to Night Vale podcast and make comparisons from it to my hometown. That's how weird it is. I only say this to let you know this town is where I got my orthodontics from. All the kids in my town went to this one particular orthodontist. I also used to go to a dentist in town that a lot of people went to as well. I had a permanent retainer put on my bottom teeth after braces and no one had ever said anything about the model of retainer itself or it being a weird type of retainer. I saw a ton of other people who had the same type of retainer and so they never thought anything of it. So they kept the retainer in. It's never caused problems and it keeps their teeth straight. So why not? However, I went to a dentist for the first time in a metro uh, metropolitan area and when he saw it in my mouth, his literal first reaction was, what the hell is that? Literally the words he said. <laughs> oh my God. So in hindsight, it makes almost too much sense. Of course, my town of all towns would put these weird, unnecessary contraptions in kids' mouths. And of course, it happened so much so that everyone just thought it was normal. It sounds exactly like, to a T, like my hometown. So my permanent bottom retainer is apparently this prototype that is so rare that he's never really seen it before in his life. Not in dental school, nowhere. It's not that it's an outdated type, it's just rare as fuck. And they were start staring at pictures of it on my chart and wonder when I left the office. So just know, somewhere out there is a weird-ass suburban town where they test nuclear weapons and a good portion of the residents go fucking nuts. 
there's probably hundreds of people still walking around with the same contraption in their mouth that exists nowhere else in the world thinking, yeah, that's cool, that makes sense, let me go drink the definitely not contaminated water now and never move away from here. So, uh, Bleach Trippin said, this sounds like an X-Files episode. (laughs) And, um... Somebody's uh, named. <laughs> Try. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's right? all I'm doing. <laughs> Don't want to get sued. <laughs> Trying my gosh danged hardest said, okay, so I looked into it and I think the town that she's talking about is Tracy, California. I looked up the bull murdering thing OP mentioned and Tracy seemed to be the only town that came up with matching cases. Though the main. Um, though the man didn't actually die from his injuries, everything else matches up uh, one for one. So just to make sure that this was the right town, I looked to see if there were any murder, torture of young people in Tracy. And unfortunately, there was. It was a 17-year-old boy who escaped and survived the torture. And just to solidify that it was in fact Tracy, I looked up shootings in residential areas. And there was in fact one of a 20-year-old man who was shot and killed in a nice neighborhood. Okay, but I decided to look into Tracy more to find out more information about the town, and it is super suspicious. There's been a lot of murders and shootings, and back in 2009, an eight-year-old girl was kidnapped and murdered by a Sunday school teacher, which we will get to that. There's also um, another case happened in 2018 when four underage boys were shot and one was killed by four teenage boys. There's uh, a lot of news stories on shootings, homicides, drug busts. And it's a really cute town, like they said, from the outside. If you just look up Tracy, California, there's a lot of cute businesses and nice articles on sweet things that happen in the town. But if you actually look into the town, it's super sketchy. So, yeah, this sketchy town with military base, multiple homicides and shootings may be Tracy, California. Uh, so yeah, then, you probably don't want to look. You don't want to look. <laughs> so then the OP commented and said, yeah, you caught me. I grew up in Tracy. <gasps> I also have to add another person's tag to this since it's honestly um, because it's hilarious and true. Okay. So some of the comments are like, holy fucking shit. Ultima free concert was held in Tracy and there was a tire fire that lasted two years. Like I said, also apparently MC Hammer and Steve Perry lived there and used to live there. Somebody, somebody did comment something and an author in Scarlet, a Reddit user said, wait, those retainers aren't like a common thing. I live in the rural Midwestern United States and a ton of kids I know had this, myself included, until the glue kept breaking off one tooth. So they removed it and gave me the regular type. So I'm not sure if maybe like they said, this retainer was just super rare, but an ex friend of mine, she has that in her mouth. She has a permanent retainer in her mouth. So I'm just like, maybe, maybe like they said, maybe it was just the type of retainer that made it weird. I don't know. So let's move on to the murder of the eight-year-old that I talked about. So trigger warning, this does contain the death of a child and sexual assault of a child. So Sandra Renee Cantu, who was eight years old at the time of her death, lived at Orchard Estates Mobile Home Park in Tracy, California, with her mother, grandparents, and three older siblings. She was a second grade student at Melville S. Jacobson Elementary School. On Friday, March 27, 2009, Cantu played at a friend's house after school until approximately 4 p.m. And when she returned home, um, 
she later left home saying that she was going to go play at another friend's house. And when she did not return for dinner, she was reported missing by the uh, local police at 7.53 p.m. Police collected footage recorded by surveillance cameras near the family home. The footage, which shows Cantu crossing the street in front of her home before moving out of frame, was played on national news. Uh, a search of the mobile home complex was conducted without results, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation was, in call, was called in to assist on the case. Over the course of the weekend of March 28th through the 29th, police dogs, equestrian teams, all-terrain vehicles, and a helicopter from the CHP, which is California Highway Patrol, were brought in to search for Cantu. A $22,000 reward was offered for information on the case. So this is absolutely disgusting, and this man should not be allowed to breathe, but one early suspect was a local man who was witnessed uh, kissing Cantu on the lips two years earlier at a local swimming pool when she was six. I mean, uh, fucking gross. Uh, she, he was interviewed and cleared of any involvement. On April 6th, a suitcase containing Cantu's body was found during a routine draining of an irrigation pond. An autopsy established that Cantu had been beaten and sexually abused with a foreign object before being smothered, while toxicology results showed that she had ingested uh, a prazolam. The profile that the FBI experts assigned to the case was that of a white male aged between 25 and 40 with a criminal history of sexual assault or child pornography. Upon finding Cantu's body, police became suspicious of a number of coincidences regarding Melissa Huckabee, a 28-year-old Sunday school teacher who also lived in the Orchard Estates mobile home park and whose daughter was a friend of Cantu's. On the day Cantu disappeared, Huckabee sent a text to Cantu's mother that said, quote, Tell the police that I had something stolen today around 4 p.m. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. So the next day, during a vigil for Cantu, Huckabee approached police and FBI agents to report that she had found a note on the ground. They reported that she was very agitated, crying, and hyperventilating. The note read, quote, Cantu locked in stolen, which is misspelled, it's spelled S-T-O-I-L-I-N, I don't know. Uh, so, Cantu locked in stolen suitcase thrown in water on Bacchetti Road and Whitehall Road witness, end quote. Huckabee had a history of mental health problems, including borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. Prior to the discovery of the body, Huckabee was not a prime suspect. She was interviewed on multiple occasions, but her behavior was assumed to be attention-seeking rather than evidence of involvement. So after the body was found in the suitcase, Huckabee, the suitcase Huckabee had reported stolen, um, investigators began taking a closer look at Huckabee's behavior. They, look, they took notice of the unusual fact that a woman who reported a suitcase being stolen should be the one woman out of everyone in this complex who should happen to find a note that reports the stolen suitcase was used to hide the child's body. A little, a little suspicious. So the police got another lead when a retired U.S. Marine and his wife noticed police um, notified police that they had spotted Huckabee and her SUV at the irrigation pond on their property at Bachetti Road and Whitehall Road between 
uh, p.m. and 6 p.m. on March 27th. They reportedly recognized Huckabee on television. The witness described her as, quote, distracted and hurried, and she told him, I just have to pee real quick, when he saw her. Police continued to review the footage from the surveillance camera installed outside, um, outside Cantu's home, which showed Cantu walking in the direction of Huckabee's residence at 354. Um, the camera had captured Huckabee's SUV driving in the opposite direction eight minutes later. At approximately the same time, Huckabee called the trailer park manager to report a suitcase made by the manufacturer, Eddie Bauer, had been stolen from her. Her trailer, whatever. 85 minutes later... A Sunday school, hang on, 85 minutes later, a surveillance camera located outside the parking lot of the church at which Huckabee taught Sunday school captured her driving away from the church. 30 minutes later, she was captured returning to the church, and it was during this 30-minute time frame that she was spotted at the irrigation pond. The FBI agents searched the church, collecting a rolling pin from the kitchen, which reportedly had a bloody smudge on it as well as a bent handle. Authorities said the rolling pin tested positive for Cantu's DNA. So you can only imagine what she did with the rolling pin because Sandra was sexually assaulted with a foreign object. Uh... Yes. On April 10th, 2009, Huckabee was arrested and charged with the murder of Cantu. She received further charges regarding the druggings of a 7-year-old and a 37-year-old man. These charges were dropped as part of the plea bargain in which Huckabee pleaded guilty to first-degree murder and kidnapping of Cantu in order to avoid the death penalty. Huckabee was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. At her sentencing, Huckabee said, I still cannot understand why I did what I did. This is a question I will struggle with for the rest of my life. The prosecutor in the case speculated that she killed Cantu for attention. So, grand jury transcripts show Huckabee drugged 8-year-old Sandra Cantu and sexually assaulted her with the rolling pin before strangling her with an alcohol-soaked noose. Sandra's body was uh, found with a blood-soaked cloth knotted into her no um uh, sorry, blood-soaked cloth knotted into a noose and her official cause of death was listed as a homicidal asphyxiation. According to court records that had previously been under gag order, at a press conference at the Tracy Police Department, Prosecutor Thomas Testa said there was evidence of isopropyl alcohol on the cloth, which authorities believed was used to smother the girl. The 2,000 pages of transcripts, including the testimony of forensic pathologist Dr. Bennett Amalu, um, who conducted the autopsy, told jurors that the way the body's child, the child's body, wow, sorry, the way the child's body was put into a suitcase after the killing showed that it was premeditated. According to Amalu, if I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry, the murder showed a calm, calculating mind at work. Testimony confirms it was Huckabee herself who led police to identify her as the only suspect in the killing. Huckabee approached the three FBI agents and two Tracy police officers the day after Cantu disappeared and gave them the note. Um, Huckabee told the group that the suitcase had been stolen the day before. So she's like, just, she's, she wants to get caught almost. Like, she wants the attention. She wants to be yeah. caught. Okay, testimony also reveals 
that detectives visited Huckabee in the hospital eight days after the murder, where she was admitted after swallowing a razor blade. And the documents show Huckabee told investigators she accidentally, quote unquote, swallowed the blade while sleepwalking. Testa told members of the grand jury he, um, the action showed the consciousness of guilt. So their investigative summary said that the girl had injuries to her external genitalia that were consistent with a bent bloodstained rolling pin found inside the church where Huckabee had taught Sunday school. Huckabee is a granddaughter of Pastor Clifford Lawless and taught Sunday school at the Clover Road Baptist Church. She lived with Lawless in the Orchard Estates mobile home park that was also uh, Sandra's home. Huckabee's uncle, John Hughes Jr. of Whittier, said his niece was from a good home but had, a, had hit a rough patch in her life and moved in with her grandparents and Tracy to get past her troubles. They opened their home up for her whoops, uh, to try to get her life back on track. I think a lot of families have problems like that, Hughes said. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but they sure don't go and kill a fucking little kid. Yeah. So Huckabee was scheduled to appear in court on April 17th to check in with the county mental health program as part of a three-year probation sentence for petty theft charge to which she pleaded no contest. She was arrested about five hours after she drove herself to the local police station at the request of officers. She is being held without bail for arrangement Tuesday. She was, they said that she was calm, cool, and collected, and then she became very emotional. So, she only became emotional whenever she realized, oh, shit, I'm actually in trouble. It's like with fucking Amelia Dyer. <laughs> yeah, right? So, Melissa Huckabee, Based 29. Martyr, Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole after she pleaded guilty to murdering Sandra. I have all, I'll have all my, my links and stuff in our, the description. So, as I mentioned in the Reddit thread, the talking about torture... So this is from a, a SF Gate article, uh, Torture and Tracy. Again, trigger warning. Four suspects beat, tortured, and chained to a fireplace a 16-year-old boy and spoke openly about how to kill him before he escaped by vaulting over the wall of a Tracy home and seeking help. The teenager told a grand jury and testimony made public Friday. The boy said he spent more than a year in captivity during which he often went without food and was branded and repeatedly beaten with a baseball bat. According to transcripts released in San Joaquin County Superior Court. I can't tell you why, the boy replied when prosecutor Angela Hayes asked him the explanation for the alleged abuse. Most of the reasons, I think, were just bogus reasons. Charged with abusing the boy are Michael Sh- uh, Shoemaker, 34, his wife Kelly Lane Lau, 31, Ka- uh, Karen Ramirez, 44, and the boy's former guardian and house guest who stayed in the couple's home and next-door neighbor, Anthony Waiters, 30. The boy told the grand jury that the defendants were angry at him for bossing the couple's children, speaking ill of Waiter's brother for getting to water the lawn, not cleaning the bathroom the way Lau liked it, and not changing the diapers of the couple's youngest son properly. <sighs> the suspects even spoke of ways to kill him, the boy said. Quote, I remember they said they would try to, like, cut me up and everything and throw me in the delta, he said. Once Shoemaker asked his wife for a syringe so he could, like, pump air into my veins and stuff like that, the teen testified. 
The four defendants were indicted on charges of torture, aggravated mayhem, corporal injury to a child, child abuse, false imprisonment, and criminal threats, and could be sentenced to life in prison if convicted. The three pleaded not guilty. The fourth, Shoemaker, is to enter a plea next week. The couple's daughters, police officers, social workers, and neighbors were among the 35 witnesses who testified before the grand jury over the eight days in March. The 930-page transcript details a horrific imprisonment in which a bath for the boy meant having hot water thrown on him in the yard, meals were non-existent, and the abuse included being cut with a knife, punched with boxing gloves, forced to drink hot cinnamon schnapps liquor, choked with a belt, and hit or branded with a bat that had been heated in the fireplace. Bleach was put into his injuries to add the pain, add to the pain, he said. The couple's five-year-old daughter testified that she had seen her parents, Ramirez and Ramirez, hit the boy with the bat lots of times, she said. Five fucking years old. And she's yeah. witnessing this shit. The boy testified that the girl was always nice to him and that would he uh, would secretly give him a cup of water or climb on top of the kitchen counter to sneak him Halloween candy. The boy testified that... I already said that. Okay, so I had to eventually start, like... I guess, stealing food because I was, like, really hungry, he said. Ramirez told Shoemaker in Lao that the boy was the source of all her problems, the boy testified. Karen would rub it in and everything just so she would seem like she is the perfect parent and I would seem like I'm the person that caused her to lose her house, he said. That was the story that she told the Shoemakers, um, that she lost the house because of me, because I was a thief and everything and she had to pay all these bills off. So, Lau's father, Terry Brown, told the grand jury that he had asked Shoemaker why the boy was in the home. He says, well, he has an attitude problem, a behavior problem, so we have to sort of watch him. I said, oh, okay. The boy had been in prison for nearly a year and a half when he escaped his captors on December 1st, police said. Mm -hmm. Investigators say that he found a key to his shackles while being driven by the defendants. When they got home, the boy unlocked his shackles, used a trampoline to jump over an eight-foot wall in the backyard of the home, and limped into the in-shape sports fitness club. The boy had a padlock and three-foot chain on his right ankle and was covered with old and new scars and was caked in soot, witnesses said. Aliens. We move on to aliens. Aliens. A slowly moving band of deep blue lights seen in the cloudless uh, southern Tracy sky Monday night. Don't ask me when this was. I'll put the link below. Had a few people wondering Tuesday morning, what the heck was that? Larry Gustafson, Gustafson, whatever. Larry, 49. This this guy named Larry, who's 49, said his neighbor, Irving. Larry, 49. (laughs) That his neighbor, Irving Floyd, banged on his door about 7 p.m. in the Moorhead Trailer Park. No, sorry. Moorhead Park Trailer Court on Crimson, Crimson Road near 11th Street and urged him to check out the unusual site. He said he ran outside, looked up, spotted the lights in the night sky, and then ran back inside to grab binoculars. By the time he was back outside, the lights had disappeared. Larry said the lights hung in the sky about five minutes. Sometimes they moved, he said, and at other times, only one night light shone. Quote, it was really strange looking, the landscape maintenance worker said. Floyd, 36, said that his kids got a little hysterical when they looked out their bedroom window and spotted the lights. Quote, it looked like an LED light, like off the cop car, Floyd said. 
The plumber said the lights appeared to hover high in the sky and went from west to east and then back to the west and back to the east. Take it back now, y'all. Won't hop this time. This appeared to be some kind of aircraft, he said, though it had no blinking strobes, no red, no white. It was, wasn't making any sudden movements. The uh, Tracy Press received several calls Tuesday asking what the lights were. Police spokesman Sergeant Tony Shineman was unaware of any calls to the department about the lights. Again, I'll put the links to the everything. Yeah. So I found some like random police uh, reports from Tracy. I don't know the dates of these. So just go with it. Okay. So 9.50 a.m. Someone called the, from McDonald's at 3430 North Tracy Boulevard to report a male hanging on the side of a car yelling for someone to call 911. Officers couldn't find the car. At 1.41 p.m. Several people called 911 to report a man throwing rocks at vehicles near Alden Glen Drive in Metal Lake, Metal Lark Lane. Officers couldn't find the man. 2.53 p.m. Someone called to report a resident at New Hope Care Center, 2586 Butham Avenue, poured hot sauce on another resident. The, uh, they eventually declined police involvement. And that is the fucking weird-ass goddamn town of Tracy. Again, no offense to anybody who lives in Tracy. Like, if you like it, good for you. All right, so if you'd like to follow us on social media, check out our link tree at The Creep Show Chronicles. You can find all of our listening platforms there as well. And for future recommendations, you can email us at thecreepshow18 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show. I'm Sam. And I'm Ashley. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.